Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your hosts, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee, the Inside of the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest. Matthew Stafford is the mad scientist behind the data and development of BGS Revenue Optimization System, as well as the Revenue Optimization BGS team of over 40 full-time experts. Although he won't tell you himself, he also be- became known as a top shop- Shopify optimization expert in the game and spends a ton of time turning away people that want to work with him. That's a great problem to have, Matt. Matt has a keen eye for impediments uh, to the customer journey and is great at interpreting the data to find diamonds in the rough. He also has the ability to see things from a business owner's perspective. Having run his own companies for the past 27 years, almost every other expert in the e-commerce education industry has been influenced by the no BS data-driven results and insights shared by Matthew Stafford and Build, Grow, Scale. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, Glad to be here. Yeah, I do want to get into all of everything we talked about business-wise, but the thing, the primary reason why I wanted, uh, had you on the show, so we'll, we'll talk kind of the, at, about that at the end, is uh, your what what you know this men's coaching space. Uh, when your PR assistant reached out to me, that's what really stood out to me. Um, the demographics right. of the show are easily around the eighty percent mark of of men. Um, I, I hire a lot of men. I work with a lot of men. I am a man. I, <clears throat> well, the movie, the red pill had a big influence on me in my life, uh, because there's a lot of truth in there that I think the society just doesn't want to deal with, with the vulnerabilities uh, of men in that kind of way. Um, can you, can you share your personal journey about like what inspired you to create that men's coaching space? Yeah. So, well, I didn't create the space, but uh, for sure, I have. I'm uh, trying to do my best to contribute to it in a healthy, in a healthy manner. Uh, my story is my childhood was filled with trauma. So, um, not just uh, like physical abuse from my father, but then there was the, you know, for my mom to witness that, and uh, also with her, you know, three oldest of six. Um, she emotionally checked out. So not just big trauma, but little trauma. And unfortunately, I didn't realize till quite a bit later in my life, how much those little interior uh, stories that we create that we think are true, um, affect every decision that we make, because our subconscious, you know, it's taking care of about 60,000 functions a day where our logic brain is, you know, less than a few an hour. And uh, so the inner stories tend to be the majority of um, how our life unfolds. And if the best way for me to describe it is uh, I, you know, we don't get out of the bed in the morning, jump on two feet, put our hands up and go, all right, I'm going to choose to have a lousy day today. Yeah. And so if we don't choose to have a lousy day, we also can't choose to have a great day. It's literally what's happening down at the subconscious level. Um, that creates that. And so as I started talking about my journey and doing the healing work of that, um, obviously, you know, I'm in the entrepreneurial space, we have, you know, 
hundreds of members that are all business owners. And what I realized is uh, the entrepreneurial space is full of people who had a lot of trauma when they were younger. And the reason why, you know, I just like I optimize a website, I've really spent the last two and a half years, three years diving really deep into this. And I just think, um, you know, trauma is a, is a, if you define it, it's a loss of control. And if you think about it, when in business are you in control? Mm -hmm. Basically never, you know, you're always changing, things are happening. And, and so in order for you to be able to live in that environment of trauma, you probably have a coping mechanism uh, that you've developed uh, way back in childhood because you were in a situation where uh, that was required. And um, so the more that we talked about it and these business owners started, you know, we, we would work through the things and then get help. All of a sudden their businesses would just explode, like literally wow. just explode. And a lot of that, I, again, I believe it's because when the, they have the unhealthy inner story, they're building a business to think that that will make them feel better or it'll make them feel whole or good enough. And then what happens is um, they build it and realize that didn't fix the internal hurt. And so when you fix the internal hurt, then the business itself is literally built from a healthy place. And it's it's really insane how good the results are when you reverse engineer that part of the process. Yeah. Why do you think, so, you know, back to sort of the, the societal look at, at men and vulnerability, dealing with trauma. Why, why do you, so how do you guys create a, a safe and supportive environment that allows men to step into, you know, sort of a safe space where they, where they actually feel comfortable? Because one of the issues I see is like, you know, you see these memes on the internet and it's like a, a man and a woman. And, and that woman is like t telling the man, um, how can you don't ever share your feelings with me? Then he shares the feelings and then she shames him, you know, right. for being less than a man. So how do you guys create that, that environment? Yeah. Well, one, there's no shaming at all. But the other thing is in, in all reality, most men don't know how to share their feelings mm -hmm. um, because it's never been safe. Uh, we've literally been taught since childhood. Um, if you cry, you know, Hey, rub some dirt on it. Or, you know, you don't cry or Hey, toughen up. And, and, and you hear all these phrases and you think that those are insignificant but the truth of the matter is that like if you're a child and you know your logic part of your brain hasn't developed yet and you have emotions that is the healthy way to get rid of them is to express them and so when they're shut down eventually uh we create the story that um sharing my emotions is not okay and and so i i've Typically, the very first thing that I have to do when I'm um, working with men is get them to stop thinking their feelings and actually feeling their feelings. And they don't actually, they don't really even know what that is because uh, they don't feel their body because it's mm -hmm. never been safe to feel it. They think, oh, I'm angry. But angry doesn't, I mean, anger can mean a hundred different things to a hundred different people. Um, that's not what you feel. That's the word that describes a feeling. So what do you actually feel? Where do you feel anger in your body? And and what's the result of that? And really, um, from that point, once they start feeling, 
they can start figuring things out because uh, when you try to, if you're in a dark room, uh, if you're looking for the door, you don't go running. You don't take off running to the walls thinking you're going to figure you're going to come straight to the door, but you have to feel your way out of the dark. And so by feeling their feelings, that opens up a whole lot more resources for them uh, to actually uh, see what what's causing the trouble in the first place. Many times they're just not even aware of it. Once once they then start to feel those feelings and they they feel safe and comfortable going down that route, I'm, I'm sure it's just this, this flood that comes out. What, what are some practical techniques and exercises then that you guys are having them do in order to deal with that? Because I got to imagine it is like a floodgate right away. Um, yeah. It's probably pretty traumatic, you know? Yeah, hundred um, percent. And and for sure they'll, they'll find uh, essentially where they feel comfortable sharing and, and typically, you know, they'll start with much safer shares and then it, it'll get down to what they're actually feeling at the root cause. Um, that takes a little bit of time, just like anything else. Uh, you get better with practice. Uh, but for sure, um, we encourage like meditation, journaling, um, and exercise. So mm. if you do those three things on a consistent basis, um, and uh, many times, you know, a lot of them, start we'll, we'll give them just very very simple like a five minute uh there's like a zach bush four minute exercise and it's essentially a way to get all the different joints in your body and the stuff working and and just doing that every single day no matter what don't miss because as soon as you have a couple of habits like that that are very consistent you'll see the other parts of your life where you know, you want to do good and you'll do good for a couple of days and then all of a sudden you won't. And then, and you wonder why it's not working. Well, a lot of times uh, you're just missing the consistency of, you know, habits every single day. So I think uh, it's not necessarily what we're having them do. Uh, obviously exercises, movement's really good for the body because once you start sharing um, your feelings, moving um, will actually help release it too. So it doesn't, those feelings don't get stuck. Uh, journaling will help you realize that, uh, you know, a lot of times when you're not journaling those thoughts that you're having, you think that they're you, but when you journal it and write it out, then you'll realize it's just a thought and you can see the thought and go, oh, okay, that's not, um, really how I think about myself. That was just a thought I was having. And it starts, you know, opening up more and more things for you to realize like, oh, okay, I don't have to hang on to every one of these thoughts. I can realize I just have thoughts and they go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, I would think that's where the meditation comes in. I mean, for me, that was the big revelation about learning meditation is it's not about actually not just sitting there and thinking nothing. It's actually learning to deal with the thoughts that come in. Yeah. And that, that's not ever going to happen. Like, I mean, you're not going to get to the point where your brain shuts off. Doesn't It doesn't actually do that. Um, and so people go, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing it right. Well, if you're meditating and you're thinking a bunch of thoughts, then you're doing it right. That's exactly what your brain does. And you're observing it doing that. For sure, it will calm down after a while and you'll get to the point where, you know, the goal is for you to be in charge of your brain instead of it running your life. And so you'll learn to go, oh, okay, that's just a thought and redirect it. Yeah. Oh, thought. And that's really the practice. It's not that someday... I mean, some days, some people will get to that point, uh, but the vast majority of people will never, ever get to the point where they can just 
hundred percent not think of a thought. Yeah. We're not Buddha. Buddha there was only one Buddha, right? Yeah. Uh, and even, even he probably had some trouble with that. I, I, I love this, uh, sort of the sequence of that you're explaining this in of, you know, first getting them into a space and then the way the, the release happens and then the tools, meditation, journaling, being consistent with both of those exercise, super important with the exercise, all the endorphins, yeah. right? Yeah. When, just getting movement, your body really needs movement. We're not built to sit at a computer. Yeah. And if you think about it, um, you know, if physiology overrides willpower, so like typically if you, if you're in a bad mood and you put your hands up like this and raise your head, you can't stay in a bad mood because it secretes chemicals into your wild. body. It yeah. gives you, you know, you can, uh, you can Google, uh, power poses, Ted talk, and it'll share all kinds of information about how physiology will change your moods. Um, like looking up, you can't remain in a bad mood. There's just a whole bunch of things where our physiology overrides um, the mental part of it. And so if you think about it, when you're sitting at a desk all day, your hands are here and mm -hmm. you're down at your screen, you're literally in a, in a pose of someone that's like depressed. Yeah. And, and so your body thinks that's what you're supposed to feel. And it secretes the chemicals for that feeling. Um, so yeah, there's just a whole bunch of things where movement really matters a lot and uh, getting it done um, every single day matters. Yeah, yeah. How, how does, how does as we're setting the base here and, and, and talking about these techniques, how does that play into emotional intelligence? I have to imagine that they're, they're increasing their emotional intelligence as they go through this. Yeah, because essentially you'll learn emotional regulation. Mm. And most of the time, the reason why they don't have the emotional intelligence is because they have all those stories back in the subconscious. Somebody says something that triggers them. They think it's that person's fault, but they don't realize um, if it's intense, it's yours. And that where that intensity or that trigger comes from is it's an unhealed wound. Uh, you know, if I started uh, screaming at you and uh, was calling you a liar and a bunch of other stuff, mm -hmm. and you just know you're not a liar, then that's not going to bother you at all. Or if I said it in Chinese and you have no idea what I'm saying, but if it's something that is inside of you that you have an issue with, um, it's going to trigger you. And again, it doesn't matter what I'm saying, who I am. Um, that's something inside of you and you're labeling what I'm doing, you know, and so I can't make you feel anyway. So once they learn that amount of emotional intelligence and, and they actually understand it, uh, their emotional regulation is so much better that they have healthier conversations. Uh, they're able to not take things personally, understand that some things are other people's issues too. And, uh, it, it, you know, who, who cares if you win the argument, but you lose the war. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, what about, what about then camaraderie with the people you're coaching? You know, is there, is there then sort of a final evolution where they're, like, I, I assume you went into one of these spaces and then you became yeah. sort of a mentor and a coach in that kind of way. Is yeah. that sort of the full, full circle of it? Yeah, um, for sure. Once once you do have the emotional intelligence, you're going to develop much better friendships. Uh, you're going to have uh, many people that you can share what's going on um, and uh, you won't feel alone. 
Uh, you won't feel like it's just something that you deal with. And yeah, that just, that gives you the freedom to then, you know, you'll create friendships outside that'll be much healthier than before. But obviously, um, I always, I always liken it to like a workout partner. You know, you guys have a common goal where you're both going in trying to get in shape and and you do that, you know, week after week, week after week, you, you build up you know, a friendship muscle to where you uh, really can rely on that other person for different things. Uh, same thing happens inside the group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> let's, let's, let's move into, well, how about this? One last thing about the, about the coaching part of it is if, yeah, if, yeah. if, 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 if there's men listening to this, obviously a kind of state of the statistics of our show is, and they, they want to start going down this path. Where, where do they even begin to look? How, how do they find a group like this? Yeah. Um, there's a, there's quite a few of them out there now. Um, I'm, I'm a little, man, I guess I'm a little biased and this could just be my own, you know, personal beliefs. I believe that there's good in all of them. Um, I definitely, uh, believe that there's a time and place also for the, you know, the, uh, hard ass, you know, some people will respond really well to that. Some people won't. Mm -hmm. Um, it really depends on the different uh, traumas that they dealt with or the stories that they have going on. And, and so I, I would never uh, say like, Oh, our group, you know, is the way to do it. Uh, it's not whatever works for you is the way that does it. And uh, so really find someone that you resonate with, find someone uh, that you feel safe with. And obviously that's not going to happen immediately. So there's, you know, get in an environment where you can observe them and know that. And then, then from there, make your choice. But I definitely think a lot of people have thought like, okay, I need that men's group. I need that men's coaching. And the guy that's in charge of it, uh, is, you know, he's going through his own healing process. He's doing the best he can with what he knows and, uh, his, what works for him, uh, is, you know, is to beat you down and, 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 berate you that doesn't work for everyone and maybe not going to get the results uh or the other guy might be really soft and you need to be able to have a hard truth told to you and and so really uh it, it just it would be really really uh dishonoring to the men to say oh one one guy's doing sure. right and the other guys are wrong um they're all doing certain things right and you're just going to find the one um that's close enough that heals you to a certain point. And then maybe at that point you need something else. And, yeah. and that's always, you know, you find that. Yeah. But the most important part is the first step. And I, I would encourage everybody, men, you know, men and women to, de- to figure out how to deal with that trauma. You're, you're so right about the subconsciousness of it too, where it comes from and you don't even realize until you yeah. finally dealt with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you, when you heal, everybody else around you will show up different. All, all the issues that you've been attributing to everybody else, a lot of them will go away um, when you have the ability and you have sovereign sovereignty over yourself. So when you can emotionally regulate and um, demonstrate that, it's amazing how many of life's problems uh, literally just don't show up anymore. And you become the most interesting person in the room because other people don't have that skill they don't have that level of emotional intelligence yeah i love it let's move into uh 
build, grow, scale your revenue optimization uh, system. F first question I usually actually ask everybody that comes on the show is actually, uh, you know, we're going to talk about that, but tell us how you got here. You know, what led you to starting that? Like, are you from a family of entrepreneurs? Where does that spirit come from? Yeah, no, um, I'm really not. My dad always worked for other people, uh, but I, I started young. I had a newspaper route, and by the time I was 16, I'd sold enough newspapers to buy my car, uh, then got a regular job. Um, at 18, I bought the business uh, that of the guy that I was working for, and uh, he sold it to me on a land contract, and ever since then, I've worked for myself. So um, the way that I got into e-commerce, I had commercial business. I had a commercial concrete business for mm. 23 years. And then I got into e-commerce about 10 years ago. I went to a Tony Robbins event and he was selling a DVD series called Money Masters. And uh, it had Frank Kern and a whole bunch of internet uh, gurus, uh, a new one each month, sharing how they were using the internet to make money. And so I started learning that way. And then uh, I got really good at traffic, like buying Facebook traffic. And so I had a lot of successes, sold, sold probably about um, close to about $15 million for the t-shirts. And then um, from there, when we sold that platform, uh, opened up a Shopify site and started off really good. And then it got harder and harder and harder. And I was like, man, I got to figure this out. And when you look at it just dawned on me one day, well, traffic's not the problem. If I have a hundred visitors coming and I'm converting at two, two and a half percent, that means 98 out of a hundred people that come to my site are leaving. Mm -hmm. um, instead of trying to get more people to come, why don't I fix my website so that I get to three of those 98 people that left and that doubled my business on the same amount of ad spend. And that's literally what started this whole um, journey with BGS of figuring out how to optimize the website and uh, then make traffic work much better. So yeah. we don't even do traffic anymore, but we make traffic work way better. Yeah. And now you're in like we, with your intro, you're in such high demand. Uh, yeah. People have trouble even maybe getting a piece, piece of you. So if, but if there is somebody listening and they, they, you know, what is the criteria you're looking for, for people to engage with you? Like, is there a threshold of sales or product or yeah, so we don't, um, we really don't handle um, beginners very well at all. There's other companies that will do that. Uh, we have a membership uh, that's fairly inexpensive. It's about 400 bucks a month, 397 a month, um, where you can be part of a Facebook group with a bunch of other e-commerce store owners um, that we teach what we do inside of there. Um, and then when you get to the level of a couple hundred thousand a month, mm -hmm. um, all the way up to, we have clients, you know, doing four or 5 million a month. Um, when you get to that quarter million, then it makes sense, um, for us to then do a bunch of the different things with the website, like the split testing, the data and analytics, the developer work, et cetera. And we partner with brands, um, and help them scale. And then that information you know, by having multiple partners, uh, it's no longer just relying on us to have all the good ideas. We have a bunch of business owners, plus us, all trying new things all the time to constantly push the envelope and get it better and better. Yeah. And then we use that and teach inside of our membership. What's uh, what's in the future for for your company? I mean, do you, how do you see it evolving as you, I'm assuming you're sort of scale with the success, uh, but is there, you know, spinoffs you're thinking about or? 
Um, the the membership is really uh, one to many. Uh, that works really, really. It works really well. We have crazy good results in there. So uh, probably more of that, less of the done with you, um, mm -hmm. because that requires us to keep on expanding the team and you know interns. You can't take a million dollar a month store and put a, a newbie on it and not have them make mistakes that are going to cost you know cost the person you know thousands of dollars, which is now it's counterproductive. And so, uh, yeah, that just requires a lot of people. I think, uh, actually I'm working through the program right now. I haven't really announced it, uh, but we are going to do, uh, a, a higher level mastermind where, uh, it will just be business owners. And we go through a lot of the stuff of what you and I were just talking about for the first 20 minutes, uh, because in all reality, it's always the business owner that's the bottleneck. Um, yeah, I, I really don't think that businesses, very many have business problems. I think most of them have people problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we get our own junk out of the way, when the CEO gets coaching, the entire company does better. So typically, it's not the entire company that needed the coaching. It was the guy at the top that, you know, is kind of setting the temperature for the for the business. Mm hmm. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, the business owner should be the spearhead, not the bottle, not the bottleneck. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Matthew, we're running up on the half hour here. I really appreciate your your insight. This has been a, a surprise podcast um, in terms of what we talked about. Uh, two questions I ask every guest at the end here. The first one is, knowing what you know now, and if you could go back in time when you first started your business, what is one piece of advice you give yourself? Hmm. Uh, get mentors earlier. So, um, you know, I learned what I shared today uh, by being that person. And so a lot of the business was built out of um, me needing to feel good and uh, and striving for more, thinking that that would be the would be the fix. What I realized is like we could be way bigger um, if I would have had good mentors and uh, listen to them along the way to put in, you know, systems and processes instead of just being a really hard worker and have some smarts. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. We identified a couple mentors early on and it paid dividends uh, in the end here. So I'm with you, Matthew. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, if they are one of those folks that kind of fit into your system, where can, or, you know, or they just want to hear more about the coaching um, and, and get some more direction from you there, where can people find, follow you if they want to get in touch with you? Um, yeah. Matt at buildgrowthscale.com works. And then, uh, yeah, they'll be able to, they'll be able to get a hold of me that way. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks.